listening to Detroit Today on 101.9 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson. And as always, thanks for tuning in. Talking about tomorrow's local elections here in southeast Michigan. We've been talking about a couple of races here in Detroit. But there are also a lot of significant elections taking place in the suburbs. We want to talk now with two reporters who have been covering some of those races. Uh, Nargis Rahman is a civic reporter for WDET. She's been covering the Dearborn mayor's race. Nargis, welcome to Detroit Today. Me. Also with us is Nick Mordawanek. He is a multimedia journalist for the Oakland Press, and he has been covering the mayor's race in Pontiac and other local races. Nick, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. So, Nargis, I want to start with you. I have seen a lot about this mayor's race in Dearborn. Uh, That's a community that uh, I know is experiencing a lot of change, and it seems like that change is playing out in the narrative around this, uh, this contest for mayor. Tell us what is going on there. So there's a couple of things at play. Um, First of all, you know, we haven't had a new mayor in Dearborn since 2007 um, when Jack O'Reilly was sworn in after the passing of uh, Michael uh, Ghetto, Guido, sorry. Um, But now we're looking at issues of flooding and policing, which have been hot topics for several years, but are coming to the forefront, especially since last year's Black Lives Matter movement. Um, And we've seen that the death of George George Floyd has caused a ripple effect across the country in terms of accountability in Dearborn um, and other cities across the nation. And in terms of flooding, we're looking at the south end and the east side of Dearborn have um, seen a significant amount of flooding, especially since 2014, when a similar flood happened across Metro Detroit. But when it happened again this past summer, over and over again, people um, have become very frustrated with the the response by the, um, the by the city. And so, you know, this time around during the mayor elections, it became a hot topic in terms of how the candidates were talking about flooding and what that looked like up to this campaign. Um, and people are listening and watching to see um, what happens in that. And the third thing I would say is it's a historic moment because we, um, Dearborn might be electing the first Arab American or Muslim mayor. Um, Mm -hmm. The last time someone ran for this in such a large capacity for mayor, it was 20 years ago. um, And it actually all fell down because of 9-11 and people decided not to vote for Abid Hamoud. And now uh, we're looking at a possibility of that happening if uh, Dearborn elect residents uh, wish to vote for um, Abdullah Hamoud, who is Arab American, he's also Muslim, and he's Lebanese. Um, if if Abdullah Hamoud wins this race, it'd be the first time Dearborn would have an Arab-American an Arab American mayor. Talk about the significance of that. Uh, and this is, to me, I think, again, the, the signal of the kind of change that we've seen in Dearborn over a really long period of time. So um, as we know, his contender, Gary Warnchuk, is also someone that people have seen um, in Dearborn for a long time. He, you know, Gary Warnchuk has been around um, as a former Wayne County commissioner. He's also um, the, the, was the editor of the Daily Tribune and Dearborn Press and Guide. Um, and he also t- spent time in the state as a state representative. So 
Um, Abdullah Hamoud right now is serving as the 15th district state representative already representing Dearborn in a different capacity. But the significance is that Dearborn has about 40% of an Arab American population. It's the largest population in the United States of Arab Americans and of Muslim Americans. Um, and they're not synonymous, right? So there's a diversity in both of those communities, but you know, Dearborn is home to that. And we've seen that, um, unfortunately, like on the census, people cannot check off that they're Arab American. It's not its own category. So it's hard to trace those numbers sometimes due to the lack of that kind of transparency. However, we know that across um, Dearborn, there are you know, several businesses, there is lots of city representatives that are solely kind of ref reflecting that change. And um, right now, you know, something Abdullah Hamoud talks about is bringing like language access to the table, working with people that represent the city and how the city is right now. And that's something that people are looking for. Um, whether he wins or not, people are saying that it's a time for more representation and people reaching across the aisle to work together to represent the people that actually live there. Hmm. So, uh, Nick Mordawanek, let's talk about Pontiac. Who's running for mayor there and what issues are they running on? Also, talk about what happened to Mayor Deidre Waterman, uh, who's been uh, in charge there for several years. Well, uh, the incumbent mayor, um, Deidre Waterman, ran as a write-in candidate in the August primary uh, due to campaign finance um, uh, shortcomings. She didn't submit her paperwork on time, and uh, essentially the county ruled that she had to run as a write-in. Um, so uh, Tim Grimal and Alexandria T. Riley are the two main candidates. They will be the only candidates listed on the ballot. Uh, Grimal, the former state representative, uh, former uh, House uh, Democratic leader and uh, county commissioner announced in January that he was running. Um, and then months later, Waterman uh, found out she could not be on the ballot, and Grimal ended up overwhelmingly uh, accumulating the most votes in the primary. Uh, it's essentially a race between um, someone who's been in politics for a dozen years and Riley, who... Um, has repeatedly talked about how she's born and raised in the city. Um, her mother and grandmother from the city. Um, that she is. She feels that she is uh, the grassroots candidate in this race. Um, she has repeatedly spoken about uh, encouraging youth engagement and uh, fighting against apathy um, in that regard, which is something we've seen uh, from politicians on a national level in terms of garnering the youth vote. Um, she's Pontiac's former chief development officer. Um, currently, she is the uh, sales and development director for the Genesee County Land Bank Authority. Mm -hmm. And um, she's essentially said that Rymo, um, when he represented Pontiac from 2012 to 2018, that he didn't uh, do enough, uh, especially when the city was in receivership, and that these problems are still being felt. Um, almost a decade later. Um, she uh, has not been afraid to say that uh, she's not supported by outside groups or businesses. Um, she told me she's not trying to buy the election. Um, but Grimola, he has a lot of people on his side, including people in the community like Maddie Hatchett, who's been around uh, 
for decades and is a known commodity. Um, Dustin McClellan is a, with the Pontiac Community Foundation and um, people uh, of that nature, the county executive, Dave Coulter, um, has expressed support for him. Um, he's essentially running on a platform that he wants to provide uh, jobs in terms of when businesses come to the city. He wants Pontiac residents to be uh, sort of at the front of the line and reap uh, the benefits from these businesses. And um, obviously small businesses in the city have been uh, hindered over the years and they're trying to find different ways to uh, connect with uh, people who are even vis- you know traveling through Pontiac. Yeah. Um, and then, and another thing with him is uh, he said, arguably his biggest priority is setting up youth recreation and enrichment programs um, which extends beyond things uh, like recreation and athletics, but also encouraging tutoring and uh, STEM um, development. So um, they're not running essentially on major platform disagreements. They're just mostly running uh, in terms of one thing that he's been in office for a long time and what has he done. But uh, Grimo is, I mean, if you look at the, the primary votes, it's, going to be uh going to be tough for Riley tomorrow hmm. um so so i i wonder if you can talk just a little about how the city's economic fortunes fit into this race this is a, a place that for a long time has been talked up as having great potential to be an economic center for Oakland County and we have not seen that that happened. How does that narrative play out in the race between uh, the two candidates? Well, as I was saying, you know, there is, and even in the primary, the candidates were running have referenced the loss of the Silver Dome, the receivership. Um, they finally feel that, you know, all these years later, that there's maybe the most optimism there's been in a while. Um, and a big part of this is the American Rescue Plan. Um, the city's received $37.7 million in federal money. And the current uh, mayor is, you know, conducting town halls to try to find out what residents want uh, with this money. And at the same time, uh, it's likely going to be the, the next mayor who comes in at the beginning of next year to figure out how to use that money and infuse it into the community. Mm. And uh, the big things are uh, business. Um, this, it's encouraging people to come to the city. Um, in terms of long-term plans, um, both candidates have expressed um, getting rid of the word Woodward Loop. Uh, essentially, people have, for years and years have been sort of driving around Pontiac, um, get going to other cities but not going through Pontiac, and that is something that um, further down the line uh, may actually happen, and MDOT has been involved with that. Um, So it's about uh, providing grants to businesses, keeping businesses afloat, first of all, following uh, the the hardships of the pandemic, and then uh, making infrastructure investments and uh, Things like water mains, sewer drains, uh, providing broadband infrastructure. These are things both candidates have talked about. 
things the incumbent uh, mayor has been talking about. So I think that ARP money is going to have a heavy hand in uh, who the residents want to see handling that cash. Yeah. Uh, Let's go uh, to the phones here. Karen in Macomb County. Karen, welcome to the show. Hi, good morning. Thanks for taking my call. Just wanted to um, add to the conversation real quick that the flooding that's been going on in the south end of Dearborn Heights and Dearborn is nothing new. Uh, When I was a kid in 1972, our basement uh, flooded and there was raw sewage that was coming up in the basement. Uh, The Ecorse Creek ran right behind our house. at the end of the backyard, hop the fence, go maybe 10 or 15 feet, look down, and there was the Ecorse Creek. Um, so that was the first time it flooded, and then it flooded again another year. I don't remember, and it flooded again in 1984, 85. Um, you know, we almost lost the washer and dryer because there was water in the appliances. So this has been going on for decades, and the sad thing is, is every time, um, you know, these floods would occur, um, the creek would just end up um, overflowing into the streets, and wow. you you couldn't even drive down the streets on so, garbage day. It so would Karen, just be from one end of the block to the other. People had to throw out appliances, furniture, so Karen, anything else they what, had in the basement. I don't know what the problem is with the city. They've known about this since yeah. the 70s. Yeah, Karen, I yeah, really appreciate the call and the and the information. Uh, that's amazing that this was going on uh, all the way back then and, and is still... Uh, confounding people and and politicians uh, right now. I quickly want to get one more voice into the conversation today. Uh, Keith Williams is the Michigan Democratic Party uh, Black Caucus, a uh, representative of that caucus, and uh, he missed the, prop- the discussion about Prop R, but he was key in, in the language. Keith, I've only got about a minute left, but I did want to give you a chance to talk just a little about uh, this, this ballot uh, I issue. I do, Stephen. Uh, hey. Basically, what this is about, this is about the right to self-determination. We're not asking for a handout or a handout. We're just asking for a chance to create a task force so we can make recommendations on uh, on economic development and mm-hmm. housing. Those were the historical harms that was caused throughout the history of Detroit. Sure. And that 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 start, stopped us from getting the wealth. Uh, the, the wealth, ascertaining wealth like everybody else in this community. Mm-hmm. And I just ask the citizens to give us a chance. It's not second tax dollars or anything like that. Um, next year, we'll go back to it for another ballot initiative and come up with the way how we finance this. But this is just the first step in a conversation to get things moving. Yeah. Uh, Keith, I really I really love that you called and, and added that perspective. I think that's a really important point to keep making, that this is about starting a discussion uh, about about this issue here in in the largest majority black city in uh, in in the country. Thanks very much for the call. Okay, I want to say thanks as well to Nargis Rahman and Nick Mordawanek. Thank you guys for being here to tell us about what's going on in the suburbs. Thanks. Dina. Thank you for having us. Mm-hmm. Okay. Also, before we go, I want to note that uh, you can find. 
all kinds of information about the balloting tomorrow at WDET.org slash vote. In particular, you can find the conversation we had with Mayoral Challenger Anthony Adams. Uh, we heard from Mayor Mike Duggan today. You can hear from his challenger there online. You can also find questionnaires for both candidates and, again, all kinds of information that we have been collecting here at WDET during the campaigns. That's going to do it for us today. We will be back tomorrow when I'm going to talk with historian and author Matthew Stewart about his new book, The 9.9%, The New Aristocracy That Is Entrenching Inequality and Warping Our Culture. Really interesting book and conversation that we're going to have tomorrow. This is 1019 WDETFM, Detroit's NPR station, your connection to news, music, and conversation. We'll talk again tomorrow.